All right. I want y'all to do me a favor and think with me for just a second about people in your life, people that you can think of who are good leaders, people you would consider to be a good leader. All right? People that you know, for right now, personally. Let's think of people you would know personally. Think about who that might be, somebody that you would consider to be a good leader. All right, you don't have to name them out loud. I just want you to think about it for just a second and think about the qualities, okay, the attributes that you would say make that person a good leader. Just think about it in your head. About things that make people good leaders in your mind. Or maybe you think of someone historically, somebody that you've studied about or someone uh, out in the world currently that you would say, that person is a really good leader. Think about, are, those, are the attributes the same? Hopefully they probably are, right? If the person that you look up to in your own personal life, maybe they share the same qualities or characteristics with that leader out in the world or that you've studied about in school or whatever. All right, you have somebody in your mind? Does everybody have at least one person in your life that you say, that person's a good leader? Maybe it's a peer, maybe it's a teacher or a, or a parent or whatever. All right, or all right, do you have somebody that you don't know that you would consider to be a good leader? Somebody you can think of, okay? Anybody want to share either one of those real quickly? Yes. LeBron James. LeBron James, okay? Good leader. What makes LeBron James a good leader? Okay. Okay. All right. So he holds people accountable, and maybe would you say he was compassionate toward other people? All right. Okay. All right. Who else? Yes, Jack. Ivan the Great. All right. Going old school. All right. Philip, do you have one? Did he steal yours? Who's that? Okay. All right, you're going international on me, huh? I got you. You're going back, back, uh, back east on me. I got you. All right, what makes either one of those great leaders? What, what would you say makes them great leaders, either one of you? Uh, they're great. Uh, because they have great in their name? All right, Philip. Compassionate. Okay. Yes, sir. Drew Baxter. What makes Drew Baxter a great leader? understands the people that he's leading. That's a pretty important quality to have. All right. Uh, let's get somebody else a chance. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Great. Anybody else? All right, all good examples, okay? Let's, um, and we're going to talk about some more examples in a second, but let's look in Acts chapter 20. We're going to stick with Paul. We've been talking about Paul a lot because the book of Acts, um, the second half of it at least, talks an awful lot about Paul. So we're going to pick up and talk about Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. We're just going to read about four verses, really, uh, and kind of camp out there. But I think in these few verses, we're going to see uh, a really good example of what a, a leader looks like. And um, leaders, great leaders share a lot of the same traits, and you mentioned a lot of them. Um, and I would say in terms of being a Christ follower and being a leader, you take all of the traits that we just talked about plus some more, but then in order to be a, a really good leader as a Christian, you have to add even more to that um, because there's an even higher standard when we're following Christ and what our leadership looks like. Okay, And so Paul... 
in verse 17 of chapter 20. We're going to read this, and then we'll get a little bit of background, and then we'll kind of unpack this real fast, okay? So chapter 20, verse 17, it says, Now uh, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them the following, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks and to of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's happening here is Paul is on a missionary journey. Paul had several of these. This is his third missionary journey. Okay, we fast forwarded a little bit. I think we were in chapter 18 last week. We kind of skipped a little bit here. Paul is in the midst of his third missionary journey and in fact is about to come to a conclusion because he is currently on his way back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. He's going back to celebrate Pentecost uh, and he left out um, in uh, chapter 18 verse 23. I think you can go back and double check that but he left out from a place called Antioch which we've talked about before. He left Antioch and he was headed toward Ephesus, but he cuts through what today uh, would be Turkey, cuts through modern-day Turkey uh, to get to Ephesus, and he's going um, to teach, and he teaches, and he's on his way to Ephesus, but uh, his missionary journey kind of gets a little sidetracked, and he has to go back to Jerusalem to make it back for Pentecost, and so he stops. They're, they're on this, this boat um, in the Mediterranean, and he stops at this place, um, and he he needs to meet with the leaders of Ephesus because he knows he's not going to make it to Ephesus in time to make it to Ephesus and then make it to Jerusalem, right? It's not like you're just a little side trip with your car, right? All of these journeys take multiple days, if not weeks, to get to these different destinations because they're either walking, they're riding on the back of some uh, animal, or they're on a boat or whatever. It's a very slow mode of transportation. So Paul knows that he's not going to get back to Ephesus anytime soon, if at all, right? These are times where if you left a place it was very likely that you would never make it back to that town because travel was so difficult, right? Um, and so Paul s- sends for the leaders, the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and to meet with him. And so what Paul wants to do before he goes back to Jerusalem is he wants to have a conversation with these elders to, to remind them of what it looks like to be a leader in the church. And that's where we get some real truth from Paul is the truth that he gives to the Ephesian elders he's giving to us today as well. Although you are not elders in the church, what we kind of call an elder um, in our setting, our elders in our church would be the ministerial staff. It would be Stuart and Tony uh, and myself and Will. We, we would be the, the elders of the church. We call them staff positions, okay? Um, and so these are essentially the, the core leaders of the church. For us today, though, this truth doesn't apply just to people that are on staff at a church. It applies to anyone who would say that they are a Christ follower and wants to be a leader in not only the local church, but in the universal church, the, the body of believers worldwide. And I would, I would dare say that most of us would, would want to be considered leaders to some extent, right? Whether you end up in, in ministry on, on staff in ministry somewhere someday, or whether you are uh, a seventh grader, or whether you are a businessman or woman, or whether you are a teacher or a doctor, um, or you are um, a welder, or whatever it is that you are, I think we would all want to say that we are leaders in the church. So there's some real truth for us from this. And so I think Paul really talks about really three parts um, uh, to being a leader. He really says that you need to serve, 
with three different kind of components. That's really the first interesting thing I think Paul says about being a leader. He says that, um, that we are to serve. And so really quickly, though, um, key truth, okay? Being a leader, if you're taking notes, being a leader is never easy, okay? Being a leader is never easy, okay? But it's always worth it, okay? Really simple key truth, okay? Keeping it very simple for us tonight. Being a leader is never easy, okay? But it's always worth it. Whether it's worth it for you, okay, it may or may not be, but it's always worth it to the people you're leading, right, and the cause that you're leading for. What, has anybody ever, would you say that you'd ever been in a position of leadership before? That you've ever been a leader, okay? Anybody ever had difficulty while being a leader? Ever run across difficulty, right? If you are going to lead, you're going to experience difficulty. And so Paul says basically that it's going to be very difficult. He's going to give some examples of that. But the, the journey of being a leader and the service of being a leader is always worth it in the end, okay? All right, it may not seem like it in the midst of it, but it's always going to be worth it in the end. So really, Paul says a few things. One, he says to serve with humility, okay? To serve with humility. What does the word humility mean? What does it mean to be humble? Okay, yeah, to put yourself below someone or to put us, other people above you or before you, right, in front of you. Right? So go back with me in verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said the following. He said, you yourselves know how I lived. Okay, that's the first thing. Paul has lived this out. He's not just giving them a lecture about what it looks like to be a leader. He says, you, you've seen this in me. Okay? All right? The whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Verse 19. Here's where we're going to get all our information from. Serving the Lord with humility. Paul was a humble servant. He put the needs of other people before himself. Uh, one passage in, in Romans always stands out to me about Paul, and it comes from Romans chapter 9, which is a very controversial passage for a lot of people. But the beginning of it's not controversial at all, because what Paul says at the beginning of Romans chapter 9 is he says, basically he's pleading with the Roman church um, and, and the Jews in Rome to, to be saved. And he says, if I could trade my salvation so that all of my brothers and sisters who were Jews could be saved, I would do it in a heartbeat. And in the way that he writes, it seems sincere to me that Paul really says that I would trade my eternity for the eternity of all the other Jews. If I could give myself away, and it would mean that every Jew would come to know Jesus, I would gladly do that. That's humility. Right? And we see in Ephesians or uh, Philippians chapter 2 that Paul learns this example of humility from Jesus himself. In Ephesians chapter 2, he, he talks about how Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. That even though he was God, he didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He lowered himself. Jesus, see, what's interesting is Jesus, when he becomes man on earth, he's, he's fully God, but he gives up some of those abilities right, and becomes fully human as well. And so he humbles himself and puts himself below God, even though he is God, which is a crazy thing to try to think about and comprehend. But Jesus humbles himself, and it says becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is this ultimate example of humility in how he served people. And Paul says, I'm trying to emulate that, to replicate that, right, in my own life, to be humble in the same way that Jesus was humble, and you do likewise. Serve people with humility. This is difficult. 
It's going to be difficult. Some of you will be on choir tour pretty soon. You'll be in Vermont or, or doing different mission trips or you'll be at VBS serving people. Sometimes it's easy to go into serve or to do stuff, but do stuff just so people know you're doing stuff. And maybe, maybe you've never been guilty of that, but I know that I've been guilty of that in my life where I will go and do something for someone so that people will know that I'm doing something for someone. Just a little transparency from me, okay? I'm not going to say that you've done that before, but I've done that, where I would say, I'm going to go and do this so that people see me doing it or so that they know that I'm doing it, and so one day they will owe me something because they'll remember the time that I helped them. That's not serving with humility. That's serving so you can get something back, whether it's attention or praise, affirmation, whatever it is. Paul says in order to be a true leader, you have to be a servant who serves with humility. And that humility is you put the needs of other people ahead of yourselves. And so constantly, as a leader, you are seeking ways to serve people in a very humble way because the point of serving them is, number one, to glorify God and how you serve, but number two, to point them to Jesus and how you serve them. So that's what Paul says, to serve with humility, to be humble in the way that you serve. But keep reading, he says, what, what next? You have your Bible? Anybody have your Bible? Or is it up there on the screen, maybe? I don't know. Nope, it's not. Um, it's on ProPresenter, but it's not on the screen. Um, to serve with humility, but also to serve with what? Anybody know? Tears. Tears. To serve with humility. There's a lot of stuff that he says. Just the next one is tears. To serve with tears. Anybody in here ever cried? No? Just me? Cool. All right. It's embarrassing. Um, anybody cry recently? To be honest, I've cried recently. Anybody seen Endgame? Right. I'll stop there. No spoilers. But it was, uh, it was, it was tough for me anyway. Um, I'm not going to say I cried, but I was, I was this close. Um, anyway, so let me, t- let me be honest with you. I've, I've, known, I've known a lot of really good leaders. I've known a lot of people that thought they were good leaders, but they weren't. I, I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself to be like super emotional. Uh, like I don't display um, emotion outward. Uh, Candace and I were talking about this the other day. She asked me, um, I think a BuzzFeed article came out or something after Endgame. It was like, what was the last movie that made you cry or whatever? Uh, or the movie that's like guaranteed if you watch it it would make you cry. And I started thinking about it. And mine are like really ridiculous stuff. It's not like stuff that would normally make a human being cry. They're like war movies. Um, uh, like Saving Private Ryan. It gets me at the end. It's a sad ending. Um, but there's stuff like that. Uh, also, there's an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will, Will's dad comes back and, uh, and he, anybody ever watched seen this episode? His dad comes back and his dad leaves and it's, uh, and then he's talking to Uncle Phil and he breaks down and he's like, why don't he want me, man? And he starts crying. Every, uh, just thinking about it. I cry every time. I was like, why? Why doesn't Will's dad want him? I, I would be Will's dad. Um, he's, older than, he's older than me, so it wouldn't work. But, um, but let me tell you a truth about being a leader. If you lead people, look at me. If you lead people in, in, in the way that Scripture calls us to lead people, there are going to be some tears along the way. And that's never fun. Right? Nobody likes to cry. Nobody likes to be sad. Nobody likes to be brokenhearted. But what's going to happen is, number one, you're, if you're serving people with humility, you're going you're gonna to fall in love with people. You're going to get to know people. You're going to love them. I'm not talking about like romantically. I'm talking about you're going to love people. You're going to hear their stories. 
and you're going to be broken by their stories. You're going to walk through things with them, and their heart is going to be broken, and you're going to be heartbroken with them. And you're going you're gonna to hear that, and you're going to weep with people and for people. Like, even if you're not somebody who just, like, cries, there are going to be tears shed because if you're leading people, you're going to get to know people and get to know who they are, and you're going to value them. And when they, when they tell you about their heartache and their struggles, there's going to be tears. And so if you don't want to cry, then don't be a leader. That's what I'm telling you. If you don't want to be humble, if you don't want to ever cry, you don't want to shed tears, then, then just follow people and don't be a leader. Because to really lead, you're, you're going to shed some tears at some point. And, and some of you are like, oh, I'm a 10th grade boy, I'm never going to cry. All right, cool, whatever. Well, the little girl on Instagram is going to break your heart and you're going to cry, you're just going to tell anybody about it. All right, so miss me with that. But you're, you're, no matter how tough you think you are, right, whatever facade you have, at some point, if you get involved with people, people are messy, and they're going to they're gonna have heartache, and you're going to share in that. You know what else is going to happen if you're a leader? People are going to break your heart. People are going to let you down. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're all flawed human beings, and so am I. And people are going to let you down. I was talking, I, I got to hang out with uh, some of the girls in Girls Bible Study last night, and I, I kind of just mentioned this in passing, but it's, it's so true that um, each and every year, right, uh, some of you graduate, and you go off to college. Some of you make really good choices. Some of you make really stupid choices. Um, and you get older as an adult, and you still make good choices. You make bad choices. And each and every year, it's like I graduate like 5 to 20 kids of my own. And so I keep up with you on Instagram, or as you get older, you get on Facebook again, uh, or whatever. And I see the, cho- the good choices. I see the bad choices. I get the phone calls or the text, hey, I'm struggling, right? And, and it's... People let you down, and they disappoint you, and that's what happens. And there's, there's tears that happen. And Paul says, look, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to serve people, there are going to be times when you're disappointed. There's going to be times when you weep with someone else because they're hurting. And because you love them, you're going to hurt with them. So if you want to be a leader, you've got to serve with humility, but you've also got to serve with some tears. But you've also got to serve, he says the next thing, you've got to serve through trials. And those two kind of go hand in hand, but there's going to be some difficult times not just trials for other people, but you're going to experience trials. I don't know if you knew this or not, but sometimes when you're a leader, people who you're leading are going to disagree with you. And they're going to disagree with the way that you lead. Did you know that? I, uh, I, don't, I was talking to somebody about this. I preached Sunday, and preaching's funny, and I've shared this with you before. I get kind of mixed reactions from people all the time. And it's, it's pretty hilarious. But a guy caught me, an older gentleman caught me, uh, right after I preached, and he, he gave me, like, some really super high praise with, like, the first 10 seconds of his comment, and then he gave me 10 minutes of how terribly I did, and it was, like, in, in like, one, one say, it was, like, hey, you're, you're fantastic. It's the best sermon that I've ever heard, but let me tell you something. You also suck, um, and so it was, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting combo, right? People are going to disagree with what you do, I, uh, my, my, first, my first job full-time in a church, I'm not going to give you all the details because it take too long and it's just too much. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, I decided to take this job. The pastor, in the middle of the process of them hiring me, which is like a, a long process, uh, it's like a three- or four-month process, the pastor retired. He was older, obviously, retired. And so I came on staff without a pastor. 
And so I was like 23, 24 years old, um, and we had a minister of music, and it was just the two of us on staff. Um, but I basically became the de facto pastor when it came to like business meetings and leading as like a 23, 24-year-old um, kid who hadn't even, I hadn't finished seminary yet. I uh, had never had a full-time uh, position like this. And so I had to make a, a lot of decisions that were well beyond my experience level um, or, or well beyond anything I should have been doing at that point. Um, so imagine if Will was dropped off and like there was no Stuart, there was no Josh, there was no Tony, it was just Will and like a thousand member church and it's like, hey, Will, make all the decisions. Um, that's kind of what it was like. Um, except I think I looked older than him than he does now. And I still don't look very old, but um, poor Will. Um, but, but I made a couple of decisions early on. Some of them were, guys, the exact decision that needed to happen. And 10 years later, I can look back and be like, that was the decision that needed to happen. Some of them made some really bad decisions. But it didn't matter. There were going to always be people that disagreed with me. And so there's going to be trials. And you've got to figure out, as a leader, okay? And I'm not looking forward to when you're in the, in the real world or whatever. You're, you can be a leader right now. You are a leader right now, a lot of you. And there are going to be times when you make decisions, or you're trying to make decisions, where people are going to disagree with you. And there's going to be times when you have to make really difficult decisions. And Paul says, humbly, okay, walk through these trials. Serve people in the midst of trials. There's going to be difficult times. Look, in this group, let's just take it as a youth group, right? Some of you would consider yourselves leaders in this group. There are going to be times when friends don't get along with each other, and, and friends become not friends. And one person's talking behind the other person's back, and it, it begins to sever relationships, how do you respond in the middle of that trial? There's going to be times when, hey, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but there are going to be times when some of you are dating and then you're not dating, right? And how are you going to lead in the midst of that? There are going to be times when all of a sudden, like, somebody doesn't show up for a long time because they're upset about something. How do you respond to that? There are going to be times when we do stuff or we go on trips that you would rather go somewhere else or, or do something different. How do, you, how do you lead to that? And that's just basic stuff that's going to happen in here in like the next few months, year, years. Serve humbly, serve with tears, and serve through trials. Paul goes on though real quickly. All of those things, right, serving in that way will require the following things. Four things, I made them all start with the letter D so that you can remember them, okay? Verse 20, Okay, he says he made it through the tears, the trials with humility. Verse 20, remember how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. Okay, there are four things that come from here. One, how I did not shrink. It will require dedication, determination, put it however you want to. They both start with D, so they work. How I did not shrink. What he says is I didn't back down. I stood my ground. It took dedication. It took determination. I, I was thinking about something today. Um, I was on Twitter, like, scrolling through some news, and uh, I thought about something that, that's, to me, really, really fascinating. Think about great leaders in history, okay? For just a second, think with me. Think about someone you've studied about in history that you've read about who people consider to be a great leader. Give me an example. Not Ivan the Great. We'll move on. All right? Abraham Lincoln, okay? Did, what did you just say? What did he say? Okay, I thought you said something. I thought you said something else, dude. Uh, I would completely misheard you. Great example. We'll get to him. I thought you said Adolf Hitler, bro, and I was like, I was like, 
I was about to turn my mic off and pause the recording, and we were going to shut it down and talk about how, how fascist, fascist leaders who killed millions of Jews is not the person who was fighting to. All right, we'll come back to MLK. Good example. All right, Abraham Lincoln. All right, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Tell me, tell me what, what makes Abraham Lincoln a great leader or made him a great leader. He's dead. Yes. For equality. In a time where equality was a super popular thing, right? Wrong, right? Yes, I was trying to trick you. All right, are you giving another one, or is you talking about Abraham Lincoln? All right, what about him? Honest Abe, look at you. Uh, and honesty is never that popular. Yes. Oh, we're going to MLK. Yeah, they're, they're very similar, okay? Yes, go ahead. Okay, to, yes, nonviolent protest, all right, okay, all right, yes, well, look, listen to me, and here's, and here's my point on this, this idea of determination, okay, of, of not backing down. What a, policies and, and things that Abraham Lincoln stood for, and he was not perfect, he was not a perfect president, he was a human being, but things that he stood for, similar to the things that Dr. King stood for, we look back and we read about him in the history book, and we're like, dude, Abraham Lincoln is the man. He might be the best president. We should probably put him on, like, the $5 bill or something. He's that cool, right? All right? He's already on there. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, MLK, right? Dude was awesome. He, he led nonviolent protests. He stood up for equality. Hey, listen to me, though. Listen, here's, here's the thing about being a leader. You know how popular Abraham Lincoln was in the South during the Civil War? Not very. They went to war against him. All right, there's a little thing they call the Civil War that happened in the 1860s. You may learn about that also in history. Abraham Lincoln, listen to me, Abraham Lincoln made some decisions that were not super popular to a lot of people, right? Now we look back, most of us, right, unless we're like still super obsessed with the Confederacy, right, we, we look back, we look back now and say, man, what a great president. What an incredible president. What a, what a leader, but you know what? Listen to me. Hey, guys, don't miss this. But in the moment, you weren't finding a whole lot of people south of the Mason-Dixon line that were like, sweet, Abraham Lincoln's awesome. You know what? They even elected their own stinking president, right? Because they didn't like the one they had. He wasn't popular, yet he was dedicated and he was willing to stand up even when it wasn't the most popular thing, okay? Again, not perfect, but an example. Dr. King, you know how many white people were super excited about Dr. King giving his speeches um, in the 1960s? Not very many. You know how we know? They bombed his house and shot him, killed him, right? Okay? He wasn't a super popular dude among people that look like us in this region, okay? Yet, he stood up in the midst of that. I think we have this tendency in our culture to look back at people after the fact and be like, <laughs> MLK, Jackie Robinson, Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks. Don't give up your seat, girl. You're awesome. All right. These types of things, when in the moment, it wasn't like that. All right. We have 2020 vision, right? This hindsight where we're like, hey, yay, you, you are awesome, You're a hero in America. And part of what makes them great leaders is that they had the determination, dedication in the moment. One more example of that, and we'll move on real fast. Um, Princess Diana was dead before all of you were born, which is crazy for me to think of because I remember watching the coverage, Drew, you remember watching the coverage of her uh, accident when she died uh, on television, I was like 97-ish or something like that maybe. Um, 
she, but she was a princess. Um, and she lived in England, okay, the UK. All right, uh, I don't know if you're all familiar with her. But in the, in the 1980s, there was this crazy new thing that came out, this disease that no one really knew much about called AIDS, okay? And AIDS was in the 80s, okay, this, this is hard for you to wrap your heads around, but in the 80s, AIDS was a very mysterious, scary thing. In fact, there was a poll done in 1986 where 71% of all Americans said that AIDS patients should be quarantined, quarantined and have absolutely no contact with the rest of the population because there was this fear. We didn't understand it. We didn't know how it spread at the time. There was this fear that if, if you were in the same room with someone with AIDS, you were going to get it, right? Well, in 1987, Princess Diana opens up uh, an AIDS ward in the UK, and there's this video and these pictures of her going from AIDS patient to AIDS patient, no mask, no surgical stuff, shaking hands with AIDS patients. And in the moment, it was revolutionary because we just didn't understand it. Yet in that moment, she wasn't, she wasn't concerned about anything else. What she was concerned about was being a leader and serving people. See, she saw hurting people, and so she did what she knew to do to serve them, to have compassion on them, dedication or determination. The next thing is, to, uh, is declaring the gospel. He says that I, that I had this dedication, I, I had this endurance, I stood firm in declaring how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Paul, above all this other stuff that we talked about leading, he was about declaring the gospel. And no matter how difficult it was, Paul, everywhere he went, no matter the circumstances, declared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's all well and good to have compassion on people. It's great. It's necessary. We have to. It's great to have humility. Right? It's great to, to be determined. But if none of that ever leads to the gospel, right, then we've just been a good person. Right? Like Abraham Lincoln was a great leader. right? But none of the things that we mentioned necessarily had eternal benefits because the gospel wasn't presented. Now, they could have led somebody to, to the gospel at some point, right? But the gospel eventually has to be attached to this. And Paul says, I'm going to be faithful to declare the gospel, okay? So it, it requires determination or dedication, but also requires to declare the gospel. But thirdly, it, it requires discernment, okay? And discernment is just a bigger word for understanding what's right, what's wrong, or what's good and what's bad. Being able to assess something, okay? Discernment. He says, declaring what is profitable, what's good, okay, what has eternal benefits. The part of being a leader is being able to stop and to analyze what's happening around you and be able to say, this is good, this is not good. This is profitable, this is a waste of time and energy. This is what we need to be striving for. Part of being a leader is being able to manage what's happening around you and be able to see which way you need to point people, right, because just by its very definition, leading, you're taking some people, you're taking people from one point to another. And you have to be able to understand what point you need to get to and how to get there. And that's called discernment, is being able to understand what is profitable and what's not profitable. To, to see, is this the direction in which I need to lead? Because it's great if you have a billion followers, that's great, unless you know, you're leading them off a cliff somewhere all to their death. Or you're leading them somewhere that's going to set them back, right? You can be a leader, it's not a good one. But if you're leading everyone in the right direction, okay, then you have the potential to be a good leader. But you have to be able to determine what is good and what is not good. And that's where this idea of discernment comes in. Analyzing what it is that's good, what it is that's right, what's true. So that's part of what's so difficult about Stuart's job. Stuart is, 
is leading an entire body of believers, entire church. And it's his role to cast a vision for where the church needs to go. And it has to line up with Scripture. And then he's got to take that, all right, this is where Scripture says we need to go. Now, how do I communicate to the masses how we get there, why we get there, and somehow make it appealing to them to where they want to, they want to get there, they want to do that. It's very difficult. So it takes determination or dedication, but it also takes you being willing to declare the gospel. And it takes discernment as well, but it also takes disciple-making. I was really reaching for a D word here. But he's teaching, okay? It says he's teaching in verse 21. Test of, or verse 20, it was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. In order to be a real Christ follower, you have to be a leader in Christ. You have to be discipling. In order to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be willing to disciple other people. And discipling simply means teaching people and leading people toward Christ-likeness, toward looking like Christ. If you want to define discipleship, it's leading people toward Christ-likeness. That's what Paul says, I'm, I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you on the streets. I'm teaching you from house to house in synagogues. I'm making disciples. Making disciples. And so how do we make disciples as individuals? What we do is we, we replicate, replicate Christ right in our own lives. We act like Christ. We are Christ-like in our actions, and so people see that. But we also teach people what it looks like to be Christ with our words and through the word, right? So in order to be a disciple-maker, we are very intentional in, intentionally engaging in relationships with other people and, and talking to them about what it looks like to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a Christ follower. determination or dedication, right? Being willing to declare the gospel. Being able to discern what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. The direction in which we need to go. But also being willing to stop and to make disciples. Which requires time and effort and energy. And it's going to get back to the trials and to the tears and to the humility. In order to stop and to really meet with someone and teach them and point them to Jesus... There's going to be some heartache in there. There's going to be some stress. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a long time. It's not an overnight process. And all of that comes kind of back into play with, with you being humble in the way that you are serving and leading other people. So just to kind of wrap things up, Paul is an incredible example of a servant leader. If you keep reading the next two verses, he says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. And much like Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, he says, I'm going back to Jerusalem. And he says, I know what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is he's going to be rounded up. And he's going to be thrown in prison. They're going to have a trial where they don't have anything really to hold. But then there's going to be this plot to murder him, formulated by a bunch of Jews that are in the city. He's going to be thrown in prison. It's going to happen to Paul multiple times before eventually he's put to death for his faith. Paul knows that's coming. He's, he's prepared for it in his mind and his heart. And re rather than trying to escape that or to try to minimize that, it gives him all the more courage and motivation to serve people and to lead people. Even though he knows that imprisonment and death are his future if he continues doing what he's doing, he perseveres through it anyway because he loves Jesus with his whole heart and he loves people because Jesus loves people. 
And so for us in the 21st century, whether we're in seventh grade, whether we are graduating high school in a couple weeks, or whether we're adults, if we really want to be leaders, we have to humble ourselves, be willing to serve people, and be willing to, to mirror the same leadership strategies that Paul used. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much, God, for the message and story, the example of Paul as a leader. God, I'm thankful for uh, the leaders in my life. Now, there's so many people that I look up to, both now and in my past, God, who have exhibited such great leadership skills. They've served people. They've loved people. God, I can think of my parents. I can think of friends. I've shared this story before. I was led to you by an eighth grader. An eighth grade boy shared Christ with me. That's pretty convicting. I know I didn't share Christ with anybody when I was in eighth grade, but an eighth grade boy sat down with me, a sixth grader, and said, hey Josh, this is what it looks like to be saved, and led me to Jesus. What a challenge for us. Think of Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and worship pastors, I think of guys that I work with right now, like Stuart and Tony, who are great leaders in my life. I think of older men that I meet with every week who invest in me. Even though I don't have anything to offer them in return, they pour into my life each and every week. God, I pray that we would be challenged to not just sit back and enjoy what you've given us, God, but we would be challenged to go and to be leaders. And in leading, we would be servers. We would look for opportunities to serve people with all humility, pointing them toward Christ's likeness. And that as a result, lives would be changed and transformed because of our willingness to serve. God, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. You guys stand and sing this last song for